Welcome back to season two of Traumedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma with comedy. It's not a replacement for trauma therapy, but it will help you get by between sessions. I'm your host, Nancy Norton. I am a comedian. I'm a former nurse. As many of you know, I got out of healthcare for the same reason a lot of you got into it, to save lives. I'm healing with humor now. I'm studying therapeutic humor, and I'm a big advocate for gallows humor and dark humor, which is what nurses, first responders, trauma survivors really need. I got written up in nursing school for my dark humor after clinicals when we would go back and discuss our day with our fellow nurses. And it turns out I actually was being of service and I was helping people express vicarious trauma. Traumedy is peer-to-peer sharing, co-healing our trauma wounds with comedy. This year, I'm so excited to be starting off first three guests, the Growlix guys, Andrew Orvidal, Adam Caton Holland, and Ben Roy. This is going to be a fantastic start. We have so many cool guests coming up. We have Pete McGraw will be coming up soon. He's the author of The Humor Code, Stick to Business, and he has a brand new book he's going to talk about. I'm going to be doing a little comedy at his solo salon February 1st. I am a keynote speaker. I love to go around and talk to businesses, conferences about the power of humor, how it helps with creative problem solving, team building, health, families. As always, share this with a friend. The main goal of trauma is to help heal ourselves and others. Let's keep paying it forward. Hey, are you a healthcare worker or have you ever been a patient? Do you wanna hear some comedy about healthcare? I'm producing shows called Nurses Off the Charts. I'm going to start touring. Right now we have a couple of dates coming up in Colorado. Click on my link tree. There will be a link for that in the show notes if you want to find out about upcoming shows. Also going to be doing some simulcast of the shows. So if you're anywhere in the country or around the world, you can tune in. And also I do have on my link tree a place to push a button and talk to me leave a 90-second story, and I'll incorporate it in a show. That's Nurses Off the Charts, a comedy show for nurses and healthcare workers and anyone who loves nurses or has ever been a patient. Welcome to Traumedy. I am a little nervous this morning because, first of all, it's morning. I'm not a morning person. I'm on my second cup of Earl Grey and a little bit of uh, ADHD medication. And... I have a very special guest who makes me a little bit nervous, I'll tell you the truth, because he came up when I left for Nepal to adopt my son, and I didn't get to know him as he came up in the scene, and then when I got back, he was famous. It was crazy. Uh, You may know him from Those Who Can't, the sitcom. He's a third of the Growlix from the Growlix podcast. Growlix saves the world, and then so many things. Producer of the High Plains Comedy Festival, a writer I don't know. What can't you do? It's Adam Caton Holland, everybody. Yay. Yay. Woo. I should put my applause thing on. I have one. I haven't used it. <laughs> Welcome. No worries. We'll, we'll provide it. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And th- thank you for taking the time because I know it's a crunch. You just dropped your son off at school or both kids. Did you, th- Are they both in school? I dropped, I dropped my five-year-old off at school and the wife has taken the two-year-old to music class. Oh my God, it's a cute, it's so cute. Two-year-old, I took my son to two-year-old music class. We got kicked out. Uh, Oh yeah? (laughs) 
at first they were really cool with him running around. And then all of a sudden it wasn't okay. And then I couldn't hold him down. So we had to leave. <laughs> that sounds very much like my two-year-old. He just, he's a, he's a beast and he just runs and runs and runs, but he does like the music a lot. So he claps and sings. So maybe it was, it was that he has like a sort of, he's throwing them a bone that he likes the music, but he is wilding out most of the time. Okay. Well, at least I hope they let him wild out. I mean, these kids today, they need to wild out. Did um, yeah. I want to hear, so listen, as I want to introduce you to my listeners and we're here obviously to talk about what I call traumedy, coping with trauma using comedy, which comedians do naturally and you have done very well. But I want to know you a little bit more. Like as far as like, hey man, when did you start stand up? Where was I in Nepal? Was it in the was it in the uh, yeah two thousand? It's funny you say that because I feel that's really true. Like you and I both know and I think respect each other, but we don't know each other at all. Like I don't know you very well, and you don't know me very well, um, just because we kind of came up at different times. But yeah, I started comedy in two thousand four, so that's a while ago. But. Uh, I don't know where you were at that time, but that was right when I started. And I was a writer for the Alt Weekly in Denver called Westward. And I was kind of doing both. Um, and then I just, yeah, I started doing comedy. And then that that took over and been doing it full time since like 2010. That's amazing. So, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly where I was. My son was born in 2004. I went to Nepal in the fall of 2004 and stayed uh, six months. And then, of course, um, I don't know, I was building a house in the mountains and then went through a sociopathic breakup and uh, adopted a child at the same time. It was a lot of fun. So I, I, was, a little out, I was a little out of it as far as the comedy goes. And I think you could be forgiven for not paying attention to my silly career <laughs> at the time. That's all good. Well, I, it's <laughs> weird to me. You know, the most I've heard you and the reason I wanted, I was like really been wanting to have you on here is because of an, hearing you on, I think it was Terry Gross on NPR or maybe it was CPR. I'm not sure, but I know it was on the NPR app and I heard this interview and I thought oh my gosh I I know he's a regular at comedy works I've seen little bits of him but I had no idea the depth and the sensitivity that you had that just moved me it moved me to tears when I heard your interview uh about you know your book and your and your sister uh, tragedy pl plus time um yeah thank you oh man it's so important and uh, the point of this podcast is to you know, I'm studying therapeutic humor right now, so I'm kind of mixing my worlds of, um, you know, nursing, kind of wanting to be a healer, but not being a very good nurse, honestly, because <laughs> I have ADHD. I'm very intuitive. I know what you need, but I forget to do it. And um, then wanting to, like, you know, heal with humor now. I just study, I'm studying therapeutic humor and talking about how it actually is such an empowering tool to help us transcend and transmute trauma. Ha have you, have you found that to be, I mean, have you found that in your case? I mean, obviously your book is about tragedy plus time. So. You, you yeah, I've, I have found it. I mean, my book is about losing my little sister to suicide and it was, you know, the worst thing ever. Um, but it, you know, I wrote, I wrote the book uh, cause I didn't really know what else to do. I was just like drowning. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even the book. I, like I wrote, it, it all happened and I was kicking butt in comedy. I had just become a new face at the Montreal Just for Laughs thing. Like literally wow. I went and did that. I went and did that and I came home and two days later, my sister took her own life. 
So oh. it was like, you wow. know, what a, my, what a combination. My, oh. Yeah. My little dumb career track exploding in a way it never had before. And then, you know, my home life and my family just imploding and right at the same time. And so I didn't really feel like doing comedy anymore. I just kind of stopped. I was like, I don't, I don't, can't do this. And I, I've always written stuff. So I just wrote this big, long screed about everything that happened. Cause it had been a big buildup with trips to the psych ward and, and just this hellish year before that. And I wrote all about it and I just kind of posted it on my website. Remember when we had blogs, I just blogged it and, uh, it sort of exploded and that set the path for a book. That's a, a lit agent found me. And, and then I wrote the book and that, and honestly, it like helped me, uh, process a lot. Like I didn't sit down to write the book cause I was like, got it, got my thoughts ready to share. <laughs> yeah. I, I found, I found my thoughts through the writing. Um, and so, yeah, it helped a lot, but it still, it wasn't comedy, Nancy. It like, right. had to be writing. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I, it, there's not, it's not one thing. It's, it's that creative process. And one of the things, I don't know, it's just hit me and maybe this is, oh, common knowledge. But to me, when it hits you personally, you're like, oh, if I don't express this, it is making such an impression on me and making me ill and just imploding in the darkness and the heaviness. So to express it, whether it's comedy you know, drama, writing, I mean, just getting it out of you. And then the connection, like, the, I'm sure what people, obviously, the authentic connection, that's what people need. And especially about things like, I mean, my God, first of all, so sorry that you lost your sister. I mean, what I was so moved by in that interview was how you honored her and her sensitivities and how hard it was to be here with that level of sensitivity. And I've just, I mean, I, that's when I, I actually could kind of cry right now because yeah. it's, it's one of those things that like, uh, so I got teary. Sorry. I gotta breathe. No, okay. <sighs> one, I, one I of, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, those of us that are sort of sensitive are just mocked for, you know, and it's like, for oh, you, yeah. I was so touched because as a comedian, you you didn't not only not mock it you 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 revered it it was just beautiful no lydia yeah exactly i think you've got a, a dose of it as well it's probably what drew you to nursing but like this this extreme empathy and like for my sister it was you know to an insane degree of like you better not kill a bug if you did you know like if she saw a piece of uh, an animal hit on the side of the road she would like you know recite a prayer for it and we're not religious but like her own little prayer you know like yeah. Um, she was just in any life, how big or small she, she felt and she was super sensitive. And I think that, you know, is a great thing and not, not something that should be mocked. Obviously I think it made her plight harder because there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world and, and it would just knock her out and she would really get sad about things that were like, you know, other people would just be like, it sucks. It's horrible. Let's move on. She would dwell there a lot. Um, but I admire her sensitivity, you know, she's a beautiful soul. And, um, yeah, I, I felt I had to, had to, I felt like I had to pay her proper respect and, and cause I really loved her and she was super funny. So I also didn't want it to just be this like saccharine eulogy. I wanted it to, to express who she was. And so that's why I wrote it versus taking it to the stage. Cause honestly, at that time, I didn't think I possessed the skill set 
to go on stage and pay her the proper tribute. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I did, yeah. I, I did think I could write it. Um, so I, I, that's why I did it. Cause I, I was just like, no, I'm not, I, I don't want to do a hatchet job or a, a or a B minus job yeah. of, of, tri- of this tribute. So at the time, the only skill I felt I could do that with was writing. Oh, beautiful. And, and it's such, I, I have not read it, uh, because, I'm, I got to get it on Audible. I, I have a, uh, I have some attention. I have some attention and focus issues. Uh, no no but worries. I, but at I, all. but it's like it's been one of those things. Like I am going to read that book, uh, and then now it's been out since two thousand. When did when did it come out? I think 20, 2018. Um Wow. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Wow. I, I tell people like it's it is it, it's, it's, it's heavy and it's sad and you, clearly we've discussed what the subject matter is. But it, it also, I'm proud. People tell me it's like laugh out loud funny. And I wanted it to be like my sister. Like yeah. I wanted it to feel like you'd get to know her. And to know her was to be like, oh my God, this is a sharp motherfucker. Like this is a really, <laughs> really funny, acerbic, yeah. sweet, sensitive girl. And I wanted all that to come across. Oh man, I now I'm super motivated. And of course I'll put a link to that in the show uh, links, you know, so that people can find it too. And I sure. was just, my, I just, the, what I keep picturing is an arm stretched to the sky and one down to the depths of the earth, like that kind of range, you know? And that's one of the things that Tromedy, like I want to mix the light with the dark. Like there, you know, like I don't want to sacrifice any of it. I don't, I don't, I really yeah. don't like just living like neck up. You know what I mean? Like, woo, let's all just be up in here now. I really love all of it, you know, and the integration, I guess. And that kind of brings us back to some of the work we've both done with EMDR and some of the trauma therapies where you integrate, you know, those places that get kind of walled off in your brain that are, those traumatized, encapsulated, really dark, dense places that we learn to somehow integrate with our whole being and get resourced. Um, Have you done, I know that I saw there, you know, that you you wrote a beautiful article about EMDR being your drug of choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I did EMDR and it was, it was amazing for me. Um, I mean, that, uh, the people who don't know the whole story is, is I also like found my little sister. Um, and so that was obviously quite, quite traumatizing. Oh, and, uh, and so that really fucked me up. <laughs> like, man, I'm just like, I'm hugging my own shoulders, like trying to hug you like, Oh my God, somebody. Yeah. Uh. So it was a, it was a double whammy of like losing your best friend and then having this like awful scene in your head and I was having all the nightmares and flashbacks and like you know uh obtrusive thoughts and all that stuff and so it was it was messing me up and I wasn't I was like I wasn't suicidal but I was veering that way and I was I just didn't really care if I lived or died like I didn't care and I and I was like so out of it I just remember Nancy having like bruises on me from just bumping into stuff you know what I mean just like wandering through the world clueless yeah your frontal lobe when you're in ptsd uh your frontal lobe is just not online it just isn't and there and i man i relate to that like finding a bruise and go when did that happen that's wild that you mentioned that that that's crazy i i I never have heard anybody talk about that but now i'm like oh there's i know what you mean when you're not in your body you're sort of you're sort of a ghost 
walking down the street and suddenly you just nail a newspaper kiosk because you're just like, what am I? You're not even there, you know? Um, but so I, I tried a number of therapists and I didn't like them. And I, my family's always <laughs> just think we're smarter than everybody. It's kind of a curse. Like it's not a good quality. <laughs> so like every therapist were just like, all right, asshole. Like, what are you, what are you, <laughs> what's your attitude? And so that's not a good way to go into therapy. Um, but that's how I was doing it. And finally, like my regular doctor was just like, told me about EMDR and I was like, I'll give it a try. And I, and I found this uh, therapist who was just so good. And I've since learned she's like a world expert. And I just lucked into like a really top notch one. Cause I've spoken a lot about EMDR and I've had a lot of people tell me they've had horrible experiences with it. And I'm like, well, I always say, you know, it's the practitioner. It's like anything, like some people are better than others. And I think I found a really good one who really, really helped me. And really, when they know how to set it up so that you have resources before you get triggered, you know, where you have the container and the, you know, um, I ended up doing brain spotting, which is similar. And then my therapist. What is that? Well, what, it's, that? It, 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 it's, a, it's a way of using your eyes while also doing something like EMDR, where you either have buzzers in your hands or headphones on that causes your brain to, you know, cross midline like EMDR. But then you also focus your eyes, in my case, one eye. Yeah. On, on a point like you know how when you're thinking about something you don't realize how long you've been staring at a spot like it's sort of like that like it's like you 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 she sometimes will have a wand I learned to just do it on my own but you would follow the tip of this wand and then you can feel when the activation gets higher that you wow. like she and then you just stay on that one spot it's like it's it's a little she the way she described it is a little more pointed then EMDR, it's also, but it's very similar. And then she also helped me find a resource spot, which is usually for me, for whatever reason, it's up and I, it's not for everybody, but then I call it my God spot, like my G spot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I feel this, I feel pure bliss. And so then I'm, I'm, I've got this buoyancy of the resource spot. So if I get too triggered and scared, I can go to this other, I can kind of dip the light with the dark and titrate it to my comfort level, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. It sounds hard. It, it isn't really. I mean, I think it's easier in a way because it just, it just, it just pulls you in all of a sudden. And um, I can, I mean, I can just be talking to her and like, yeah, you know, kind of how you do sometimes when you're not really activated, but you're thinking about it. But then once I look at that spot and have those headphones on, it's like, I go right in there and wow. uh, become whatever age that this thing occurred. And then, I don't know, it's very, and then, it, and then start integrating it. So it doesn't, I mean, the goal of EMDR and a lot of trauma therapy, obviously, is so that you don't get taken over and like you, you know, become, because uh, it's a survival part of us that we get taken over by and then you, you feel powerless to it. So I guess the goal is to get a sense of empowerment, integrate it and, you know, have those, uh, parasympathetic resource uh, exercises. I don't know. Did you work on breath, well, you, breath work or you, anything? Not really. You, you study this. So, you know, the terms for me, it was all about metaphors. Like every therapist I ever went to has a metaphor for the brain and they love metaphors, but the best EMDR metaphor that the woman I, I worked with told me was like, you know, brains a filing cabinet and you've got an errant file. And so we're going to file that file away and it's there to access when you want it, but you get to choose when you access it. 
And like, so that was what I was told was the goal of EMDR. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Let's get to it. And so that was how I learned it. Not in any sort of like actual clinical, you know, biological terms, but just a, a metaphor that, that a stupid old me could grasp. <laughs> stupid old you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but also it just, I think that's brilliant. You know, like I, I'll bet you that she gets intuition about which metaphors for which people, like people like you who obviously very intellectual, um, filing cabinet, but it makes perfect sense. And then I was picturing one file, you know, like one file you open, not just an errant, but it's like, uh, I, I don't even know the word. You know what I just realized? Yeah, it's even... like splayed out in the back of the filing cabinet with papers everywhere. And you're just like, we got to get this shit in order. And get back in there. <laughs> but when you open it, it has one of those like weird, like, I almost want to say like a rattlesnake in there or something, you know, that just like, <laughs> you know, ah, you know, yeah. it just, it scares, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like scares you to death, like literally. And just yeah, that feeling of gotta like when I want to deal with that rattlesnake I will know how to handle it I will be able to you know recognize it and actually transmute you know transmute it back into oh it's really oh it's not a snake it's it's a memory it's <laughs> I mean, also it, like you know memory it's a horrible memory but like what I've written about this and said this, but like what's unfair is that that memory gets such prominence. Like my sister died at 28 and I had, and the last year was hell, but there were good memories in that last year too. But by and large, 27 great years with my sister. And yet this gets to be like the final thought. Like that's not fair, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So out of proportion to with it's reality. Still out of proportion to my experience with the person, which was like incredibly great, save for, a year of, of rough stuff. And then this my last memory. So it was very powerful to be like, fuck you. You don't get to be the final statement on my sister. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, and again, that honors her it, but it was a survival thing and have a little, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of a fuck you, but also your brain is trying to like, okay, we got to be prepared to get blindsided at any moment. I mean, that's, yes, that's the yes. reality of it is like, okay, that changes you. Trauma does change you. And you, you know, you're, you're sort of on the lookout because, wow, I did not see that coming, you know, or just that shock of, of the trauma is just your body trying to help you survive. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's, a, it, but I really, oh man, I really appreciate that perspective because it does and negative thoughts in general get more, get more bandwidth. And I, that, that's just sad, isn't it? I mean, just in general in our lives, like why do those? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it is sad. Like, you know, I've had a lot of soul searching and as, as a result of this and just by being a human being and it's so easy to be like, Oh, everything sucks. But it's like, it's, it's, I do try to shift into like, Oh, life's a gift. None of it's promised. You don't know why you're here. This is a miracle. Soak it up, man. <laughs> like, and it's hard to stay in that part of your brain because we're pessimistic, cynical comedians and like, we like whatever, but it, I, it is very much like you're not owed anything and you get to wake up and breathe and look at birds and feel sunshine. Like, yeah, it's all right. It's all right, man. I loved, I, I, I did, you know, my little bit of cramming before, because of, it is true. I don't know you that well. And I was just like, wow, everything I read just, oh, I, I was so impressed. Like, oh, I wish I knew you better i know i feel like we we get along just fine nancy <laughs> i think we get along okay oh nance i'm just saying <laughs> but i the part where you mentioned the birds just now and it that i didn't know like i read that you are a bird a bird watcher and i gotta say i 
that is one of my things that gets me in the present moment. If I, oh, yeah. if I just even just go to this little lake near my house here where I run around every day and watch the geese migrate. And I have a thing with hawks. I can't even tell you, Adam, I don't know about you, but I, I have been like able to, <laughs> I know this, I, my last guest was a psychiatrist. She's like, you know, in the past we might've pathologized that, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I literally can call in some hawks and it is, you could, you should ask Zach Moss when we went up to his comedy festival up in, uh, South Dakota, we were all out in this beautiful lake area up in the Black Hills. And I said, let's call in some hawks. And seven hawks came. And I have witnesses. Whoa. I have witnesses. But it's, I don't know what it means other than I feel this spiritual, like we're all, I mean, I'm very spiritual. I, I definitely believe in the oneness and it's just energy. And I don't quite understand how we've all decided to become whatever beings we are but i i do have a thing with hawks that feel like my spirit guides or something i i don't know do you have a spiritual relationship with with birds or it, it just an Dude, nancy you gotta you gotta, you're gonna be blown away you gotta read my book i'm not gonna like get into the whole thing but i with with hawks specifically red-tailed hawks i had these crazy couple of experiences that felt like Lydia and I kept them to myself. And then my mom shared another one with me after I didn't tell her anything. And this was like right after Lydia's death and with a red tailed hawk. And then I shared it with my mom and then we both like sobbed and it was just like, I have a red tailed hawk tattooed on my body. Oh my was, God. I had no yeah, idea. I had no yeah. idea of any of this. I'm telling you that. I know it's crazy. That so, is Really crazy. I, I believe it. I, do, I, I, I believe, I believe it too. I, I also think, I don't know, like, if people who have gone through trauma or tragedy are looking more for symbols and signs or that because of that rawness, they're actually just more open to it. So it's coming. You know what I mean? Like, it could go, you could, you could argue either way. Yeah. But regardless, it was really profound for me and, like, gave me very good peace. And my mom as well. And the fact that it was happening to both of us at the same period, was just fucking wild. Yep. And so I, I definitely have a huge connection there. Oh, my God. I love hearing this. I, I, I feel affirmed by it. I'm, I'm always looking for confirmation from spirit, and, I'm, and I get it, and you're right. I understand. I have a neighbor. I always talk about my neighbor who's, he is a scientist, and, I mean, it. he and I, you know, he's not open. He's all right hemisphere, and I'm all, I'm, right. I mean, he's all left hemisphere, and I'm all right hemisphere of the brain. But, uh, it's, I, it's moving and I, I've been just really trusting my body more, my gut and my, uh, what a, a guest of mine called it truth chills. You know, when you get those goosebumps, I just uh -huh. like, I, I don't know, man, where those come from, but I trust my truth chills now. I just like, I, I just, love, I, just I love it. that. Yeah. Just truth chills is a good term. I, I find I get that like with, with a lot of birding, especially you get, you know, if you start birding, you know your neighborhood birds, you see them a lot, you have ones you like. But when you see something kind of like new or a bird behaving in a weird way, like hunting or something, and and it feels like it feels like a truth chill. It feels like nature's yeah. peeling the curtain back yes. and showing you like, look at this. This is what is what this thing is supposed to be doing on the earth. And very few people get to see it. And it's like this magic moment. I, I have that in any sort of nature, animal setting like it doesn't have to just be birds but like i guess that's the most accessible like anytime i see an owl it's it's magic <laughs> like i yeah. can remember 
I can remember every owl encounter I've ever had. They're rare. It's weird. It's usually nocturnal. They don't want you to see them. So if you see them, it's pretty impressive. Every yeah. owl is like a, is a gift to me. <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I just, I'm so happy to hear this. Like this connection is moving me beyond. You have no idea. Like I, I just, I, cause I, as much as I see it and feel validated by it, I, it seems like I can't get enough validation. Like, Oh, just to have one more. And somebody, I mean, like, a, somebody like you, it's, who's, a high. it's a buzz. It is a high. You're right. And uh, I agree with you. It's it, it just, I need to, you're just affirming too. I just need to spend more time in nature and, and be, you know, absolutely with these beautiful other beings that we're sharing the world with. I mean, uh, I have I, a thing with squirrels. I, uh, I've had Robin, a Robin come right when I was telling a story about my dad and this Robin. And it, I mean, come on. It never yeah. before or since has a Robin lit on a little branch right outside my window like that. It was like, no way. Uh, it That's just, so cool. At first I started saying, this is unbelievable. Now I just say, this is incredible, you know, because... I like that. It's a little I shift. Like yeah, thanks for sharing those, those, tr those truth chills or those uh, affirmations. And I'm so glad that you have that with Lydia and know that I think you do know that. I mean, you still are communicating. I even wonder if she helped write your book with with her. You know, like with her spirit sitting right there. You know, and and then I don't she, know. It, I don't know. I don't, you know, I I remember as I was writing it, I was like crying a lot. So I'm like, this has got to be good. Um, but I, I have a way that I try to like communicate with it. We got like a bench, you know, to, with a plaque on it. And I go there sometime in a park and I go there, uh, I'll often just stop in and say what's up. But like, whenever I don't ask her for much, cause it's weird to, uh, put that on someone who's gone. But like, whenever there's a health thing with like, like my mom's, you know, health has been, deteriorating and like i'll be like all right lydia whatever you can do to do it you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean like yeah. so I, I do like when it's that essential i'll call on her a little bit and be like i'm not it's not your fault if it doesn't go right but like whatever you got no pressure no pressure lydia but yeah yeah but bring it yeah and i'm sure well that and that also is a sort of like look it's mental illness and i don't blame my sister in the least and that took a lot of effort uh to get to past the anger of like why but but i also am like hey me and my older sister gotta watch mom and dad get old and your ass has got to chip in from the other side too <laughs> <laughs> i like that a lot i and i mean mental illness is so complicated with the way you know we gauge everything i mean if, if it were a word like like say this was a planet of empaths i mean your sister would have been a leader right she would have been a shining light and a leader and everybody else would be insane. So I, I think you're right about that. I absolutely yeah. like, I have a fantasy of like, may I please incarnate on an, uh, the planet of empaths. I just, I can't tell you how much energy it takes to wall off factory farming and my psyche. I can't even tell you. Oh yeah. Like honest yeah, yeah. to God, I really can't like grasp like, what the hell are we doing? I know. I mean, I know. it comes up and then I have to, I can't, but this is where, I've had to, you know, I've got a spiritual mentor right now who's basically just helping me with those kind of boundaries because otherwise, yeah, you get, it's too much pain to, yep. if you're empathizing with, you know, every, every living creature that 
does not have a voice. And I know I would, I got to just touch in just for a second on last night when I, not last night or when we did 50 first jokes the other night. It was so funny. Yeah. It was so funny that you followed. You were the headliner of 50 first jokes. And then <laughs> I, I mean, I am a rambling fool. I really did not have a, a plan. And then I just start talking about my trauma, which is related to infancy where I had no voice. And I feel like that is why I have this thing. Like I have to be a voice for the voiceless because I didn't have a voice. And I absolutely, yeah. and I truly am not even exaggerating. Like I do really thank my mother for the gifts she gave me. I understand the lineage, but I was talking about something that's really heavy in a, in like in a, in a two minute, in a two minute comedy thing, trying to like, yeah, let's talk about my infant trauma where I felt like I was suffocated intermittently. And I love that you had the balls to go up there and just like, <laughs> I don't know, just, just talk about that. Like, yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, I love that you are bringing that. Like that's, that's the stuff I love in comedy. It's like, Hey, this is what's going on in my brain. And here's the dose. I love it. <laughs> but it just killed me that you had two minutes and you're like, I'm going to get into the heaviest subject imaginable. And so I just had to like, gonna... yes, I'm bad and be like, okay, I'm picking, I'm picking for Nancy. Anyway, infant trauma. Like, <laughs> just, it was a two minute, one woman show. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this, Adam. I, you don't know, you don't know the, the skills I have. <laughs> if you, if you crack that code, you'll be the biggest, if you can TikTok a trauma show, <laughs> oh my God, you'll I'm be the biggest Dude, comic on the planet. I'm so writing this down as if I'm not going to listen to this podcast later, but I'm going to write it down. <laughs> I'm not, that, I love that mini. Okay. Here's our new challenge. I like this idea a lot. Mini you know, mini one person show, two minute, one person show. I like it. Let's do it. Let's challenge. Let's do, let's do the two minute. That would be a great, wouldn't that be a great night? Go to a venue and see two minute one person shows that like, wow. That, that, yeah. That'd be wild. Do you think we or, can give I a, mean, I'd say you got to give the person five. I'm, okay. I had my gut said five, two. All right, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love this idea. Like, can you, <laughs> can you take us on a journey with the hero's, you know, like the hero's journey, the arc, yeah. I, and have it what? is it is a cool idea because I I do a one man show about all this, you know, that's like a crafted hour, so a five minute version would be wild. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, let's take the challenge. I think it would be interesting. Five minutes. You're the person. You're the person. I got too many shows I run. You, okay, your, yeah. Your turn. Okay, I, I'll take that one, and I'll I'll invite I'll invite you. You'll be the all right. All right. And then, so your your play is called ha Happy Place. I saw the name of it. I haven't seen it. Is that is that something that's still going to tour? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just booked it in February. I'm going to do it again. I was doing it in 2020 and it was kicking butt and I was doing all the festivals and I was going to Edinburgh and I had a big people bringing me over and a big stage and blah 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 and then pandemic and uh. everything fell apart. Um and so then I trotted it out last year again trying to see if I could like sell it. Cause I really think it's good and I don't want it to just go away. And I put a lot of work and effort into it, but it's also really hard on me to perform. Like it, it's, I go there every time. Yeah. I perform. Yeah. And it's... so, it, you know, to just do that blindly, just cause with no goal in mind feels wrong to me. And like, why am I suffering this hard? So I, I am doing it again in February and I might try to do this little New York run to see if we can sort of make it a thing again. And, and then I'll just record it because I don't want to keep doing it forever. But, you know, my manager person has a good take on it and we have a plan. So we'll see what happens with it. 
but I'll, I'm doing it in February in Denver, February 10th at the Bumpport Theater. Okay, I'm gonna come see it February 10th at oh, the nice. Bumpport. Yeah, nice. I need to. I need to see it. I I I adore that genre of you know realness and just authenticity is my love language. You know, it's just anything that that rings authentic. I get excited by. So I oh my gosh, it's something. Um, so does this cover some of the things in your book or is it does it does it's it's the same story but it's more like um more stand-up you know and more kind of like about trying to be funny again after something like this happens oh perfect traumedy is here for people who may be isolated with trauma may not be comedians may not know how to take their pain and play with it as charlie chaplin's famous line and you know the mission statement here is really just help heal ourselves and others i think the more we process every time we talk about stuff, it sort of in a weird way normalizes it. Not like it's normal to lose a sister or to have such severe trauma, but just that it is your new normal, you know, and just Dude, that's exact. That's exactly it. And I like toured the show all around and I can't tell you, you know, how many people came up with like, I've had the same thing. Like everyone's had, some sort of experience with mental illness, at least anyway, like it's, it's not six degrees of separation. It's like one, everybody knows someone who struggled with mental health. And when this happened to me as your trauma, I'm sure it's like, well, this is me as is a huge part of me and I'm not going to hide it. And like, I, I, I don't know, for me, that was like ownership of it. I'm not going to lead with it because I understand it might make you uncomfortable, but if you're going to get to know me, past anything you will know this about me and so i guess what i'll tell you about it up front and now you know you know what i mean yes and uh just the idea that especially i think around suicide with family members and how many people do keep it a secret or try to reframe it or you know not yeah just not it's like because there's a, some shame around it or something like why you know like i mean i do understand why in a way but man, this is where the empowerment is. And like you said, man, what a gift to all the people that have kind of felt, I mean, in the closet. It's just... Well, yeah, yeah. And the shame is like, it was more about, it's about you letting go of the shame. And that's where it's like, where for me, it had to be really accepting of like, okay, mental illness. This is what my sister had. So like now I don't blame her. I don't think what if we did X, Y, and Z different it's just like, you know, and it's it's the cliche example, but it's just like, well, she had cancer and nobody would sit there and argue with me about that if I if she just had cancer. And and I've really come to view it as that. It's like her brain turned on her and it fucking sucked. And so if I'm going to view that as not a crime or anything shameful, then I need to tell people that. When you started with the blog and that went viral and then the book and then I just feel this widening angle of your sister and you heal healing and helping just heal a bunch well, of people. There's no better word. I, I use the word healing. I really feel like you've brought a lot of healing with your work. That's be, it's well, just amazing to me. Thanks. But the truth is like, I was wary of doing any of this cause I don't want to be self-helpy or cheesy. Uh, and, and so I, for me, it really is about like the work being good and like not landing in the self-help section of the bookstore like ah. i really like because that's what my sister and i would mock you know what i mean so <laughs> okay so it, it had to be more like i don't know in, in the spirit of type of art that i admire and so it's not like a 
okay, everyone, like, let's gather around and kumbaya this thing. It's like, no, it's it's just a funny, real approach, you know? Yeah, I do. And yet I'm thinking maybe I should put in the descriptors of Tromedy. It's self-help and cheesy. (laughs) I think I do. that is totally fine because that has a place and, like, I don't think – you're funny, so already it's better. But like, I I'm just not wired that way. Yeah. You know, I'm like a I was a journalist for a while. I'm pretty cynical, and I'm like, show me the facts. Yeah. While also being spiritual. Um. But I but I so I had to think with everything that I've done. I'm like, would Lydia like this? Would, would Lydia laugh at this? And would Lydia not think it's too heavy handed? Yeah. Because the good art sort of lulls you into it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, God, that just gutted me because I was having a good time and I didn't expect it to go that sad. And that's the stuff I love. Um, so I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to surprise you or scar you, but I don't want it to, be, I don't want to lead with trauma, <laughs> actually. I want to lead with comedy or. Oh. Or, or like a, a interesting read, you know? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. So to me, what I'm hearing you say is like the art is primary. Like that it needs to be yeah, it yeah. needs to be high art. And then what you deduce or infer from that is up to the the recipient, you know, the viewer or the reader. And that is not the prime the primary maybe for you was honestly like it sounds like just needing to express like you had a need to express which is that's real art right where there's like i have a need it's a need i have to get this out but then to do for, for sure and all this sounds pretentious but it's like it's true it's like how my sisters and i grew up and it's just like we very much admire artists and art and so for one to say i am that is vain so i would never say that but it's what i aspire to so it's like i really and, and then it has to do with also tributing lydia who sniffed through any bullshit and <laughs> and read, you know, Milan Kundera and like just liked all these really incredible artists and and the the highbrow stuff. So it's like you better be doing it or at least aiming for there if you want your sister to like it because otherwise she's on the other side rolling her eyes at you. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I don't know who Mulan Kundera is. Uh, oh, he's this Czech writer who's amazing. He's got this book called like The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Oh, he wrote he, that. I, You know, of course, I only know of it from the film. Uh, as a uh, person who's read a couple of books, I'm still trying to get through Jane Eyre. But anyway. <laughs> she, she was very like magical realism. So like yeah. Gabriel Garcia Marquez and you know, just like where sort of fantasy and magic bleeds into the world, into the sad, sad world. And it's perfect. Like that, that's who she was, you know? Wow. Well, you, you know, I, now that, you, now that you're sharing all of this, I mean, I, I think you're entitled to be a little bit arrogant. <laughs> I, I, I mean, well, people certainly have lobbied that against me before. So, <laughs> I mean, at what point is it not arrogance and just a fact that you are, in fact, smarter than the average bear? You know what I mean? Like you're 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 very well, obviously, very well read things I don't even know about. Like I am an average, very I would say below average. Uh, I don't know. Intellect, it's an interesting thing, intellect. I'm an oral learner, obviously. I like to hear spoken word. I learn from people. I am highly observant, but I am I am not well-schooled or ed, you know educated in any of those ways. I'm just more of an intuitive kind of yeah, being. Well, it's, so it's I, really, I really respect it. No, but I just really respect uh, intellectuals. I just don't, I, I, I don't have this particular problem. 
Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's also like I've learned to be like, well, everybody's got their area of expertise. Like you know, we talked about EMDR for two minutes and you were telling me stuff I had never even heard before that was fascinating. So it's like, it's just areas where you focus your attention. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's what I, my mom was a writer and my dad is a civil rights attorney and it was kind of a house of a lot of books, you know? Yeah. When you're raised by intellectuals and then you know, the blessing and the curse of that, which I have witnessed, I'm, I'm very attracted to most of my partners have been uh, highly intellectual. My dad was uh, scholarly and, you know, just everything he read and he had this ma- amazing memory. He was, he, he remembered everything. I mean, he just could, like you talk about a filing system, my dad could pull out files at, at till the end of his life. He was able to retrieve information that I couldn't believe, but so I'm always kind of attracted to them because I'm like, I want to win the love of my dad. Even <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, I but, but the, but the thing I witnessed, and I don't know if you, this is where going back to the EMDR and healing, it is a little hard when you have what I've, this is my, you know, what I've witnessed and maybe I'm wrong, but tell me if I am, it's a little hard sometimes to land in that surrender because your brain has such bravado of like keeping you safe through intellectual processes that sometimes it's hard to land in your body and just be, you know, just be. That is so astute. I, and that's what I was kind of saying with like my approach to therapy was kind of like, okay, who's this asshole? And like, even looking at like the diploma on the wall and being like, that's a shitty school, like just not being (laughs) open to it. And like, um, you know, that's like your vanity is getting in the way of your survival, man. And like, I, I just had to sort of take off the intellectual cap and just feel and be real about it all. And I, I think I thought being smarter than everybody could be the weapon that could get me to succeed more than anybody. And then like this happens, it's like, oh, intelligence doesn't even matter, dude. You're like wounded and everything is hurting and sad and and you are a raw nerve. So, and your brain is kind of turning on you (laughs) and you just watch your sister's brain turn on her. So it's like every, every tool you had, I I had to sort of chuck it out the window and like surrender to EMDR. I think I would have died. Yeah. And the fact that you were willing to do that says a lot. I mean, it, that take a lot. It took a lot of courage because that is your way of being safe. That is in your lineage. I'm sure you come from a long line of highly intelligent people who have made themselves safe by sizing up situations and doing, you know, the smartest thing. And then it's not a cognitive process. You cannot talk yourself out of PTSD. You cannot no, think no, you, you no. can't think your way out of it. It's not cognitive. It has to go into that midbrain place near the you know the hippocampus. Anyway, we're not. We're, I, I'm I'm going to embarrass myself because it's like, wait, Nance, it's the amygdala. It's not the hippocampus. <laughs> it's but in the midbrain, you know, where you really, it's not an intellectual process, and it is. No, I, you're so totally I, right. So I just admire you. Uh, as a, I'm going to say, you know, highly intellectual person to, to be that vulnerable. So, well, thank you. You know, my whole family, I consider very smart and everybody immediately realized how fucked up we all are. And we all know therapy and we all have gone to therapy and not, we don't, we don't dismiss it. We respect it and know it's valuable. So we all immediately started going to therapy, but you know, it, it, it was a matter of, and I tell people this all the time, like, you ever tried to find four shrinks on a moment's notice? Real mixed bag. Real mixed bag. Like so. So it, it was a matter of trial and error, and I think all of my family sort of 
did a good job of of navigating that and finding people who who could help them out you know yeah and in and in this kind of odd and uh maybe surprising way i'm just guessing that your sister's death actually helped you all evolve as a family it did but it's not i i don't know about that like that you want to like put a silver lining on it and be like, and now we're closer than ever or something, but <laughs> no. it is, it, it's just like, a, I'm back to my cheesy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, you know, there is no healing. Yeah. It is always, it is always worse. Yeah. I'm always sad about it. Yeah. There's always an empty chair and we've, we've filled our lives out with wives and children. And it's like, we, I got a, a lot of reasons to be happy, but I'm still always lacking this person. Yeah, And then I always tell people like to think you're going to land at this place of, and now I'm healed is naive. You can be better. You can be less pulled down by it, but it is always going to suck. And at some point you will come to that realization and it's just how it is. It's like, you're missing a limb now and you just learn how to navigate life with one less limb. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, you know, I have a problem with, uh, I just read about this in my recovery work, is bright siding. Like, I definitely do that. I want the bright side. I'm like, and the silver lining of, like, my mother gave me these gifts by, you know, being cruel to me. Um, <laughs> I really do. I do want that. I do, you know, we. I well, there is a thing called post-traumatic growth. And so I do still, even though you're saying that, and it doesn't mean, those are not mutually exclusive things that you don't, you you know, you still miss your sister, but I do, I would be curious to know if you felt like you had some post-traumatic growth from this experience, even though I get that doesn't, you know, doesn't compensate for the loss. I think so. I mean, there are lots of growth, like you're exactly like you're talking about it, like getting out of your brain and getting into how you actually feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're more present. And, and- I bet you're more emotionally available for your kids and wife. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, you know, being able to tap into sort of a luckiness of being alive place when I want to, yeah. I have to think about it. Cause I'm always, my go-to is to be a cynical asshole. That's like what I do, but, uh, I, I can quickly, but I'm actually like very emotional and very like soft and, and appreciative of everything around me. So like there definitely is that as well. It's just kind of like enjoy the ride type of thing. Whenever I'm like getting too bogged down about career stuff or depressed about the state of the world or whatever, it's like, buddy, you are a, a blip in the history of the planet and you get a, you get experience it all. So book airfare to a cool place and check it out. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's, that's a perfect place to pause and, and reflect as we, yes, yes, yes. as the Traumedy podcast, this episode, oh my God, this has been a surprise and a delight. And I do think that juxtaposition of your acerbic, you know, wit with the, the heartfelt realism that I love that you have that capacity now that you, you can drop into your heart and share from there and also then get super sarcastic at the same time. It's beautiful. It's Thank a, you. Thanks. And I, was just reading that you have a brand new uh, comedy special, which why, why don't we tell people? Why don't we tell <laughs> oh, people? Yeah. What's your special? The new special is called uh, Wallpaper. It's just all about fatherhood. It's like my fatherhood special. Um, but it's the be- it's the most, in, you know, I never filmed one. This is a big elaborate three camera shoot and looks great. 
and it's on 800 pound gorilla uh youtube which is like a big comedy label and uh i'll shoot you a link so it's in the show notes right there i think it's for purchase right now pay whatever you want but as of january 18th it's free to the world so i don't know when this will come out but uh just so your listeners know if it's post january 18th it's free that's 2024, January 18th. Get <laughs> yeah. the wallpaper. Oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna. I I am gonna devour everything. I mean, I don't know. I you, uh, you have written more than I've ever read. So <laughs> it's gonna take a while for old well, Nance. No pressure, Nancy. No pressure. <laughs> Thanks for thank you so much, Adam, Kate, and Holland. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I just ah, big hugs to you. You know. Yeah, right back at you. It was nice to chat with you and connect this way. I, I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a, have a great great rest of your day. And, and uh, let me know if you see a hawk today, would you please? Just send me a text if you see one. I have I just, Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. I just have a funny feeling about it, okay? All right. I love that. All right. Peace and love, man. Bye. All right. Bye, Nancy. I'd like to thank my guest, Adam Caton Holland. Check out 800 Pound Gorilla's YouTube channel. There's a link in the show notes below so that you can see Adam Caton Holland's special wallpaper. Also, tickets are available for his one-man show, Happy Place. Don't miss it. Last but not least, go to Simon & Schuster and get a copy of Tragedy Plus Time. If you want to see Nurses Off the Charts, check out my show links. And if you have anything you'd like to share with me, hit that button at the bottom of my link tree. Tell us what happened. As always, I want to thank my son, Nathaniel Norton, for providing the music. I want to thank you, the listener. I hope this podcast is healing you half as much as it's healing me. Tune in every Tuesday, new episodes, Traumedy Tuesdays. No matter what, keep laughing. Keep laughing.